Welcome to the Rainbow Dice Club, an all-queer D&D actual play where your players share the role of Game Master. Think of it as a more collaborative way to tell a story where the dice still decide our fate. It is important to note that while we are using the base of D&D 5e, there are some things that are different. We have lots of home rules we like to use and we are mostly narrative driven. In addition, we all exist in a duality of player and game master to better weave an incredible story for everyone to hear. If you want to hop right into episode 31, keep listening to the story so far and let me get you up to speed. There are obvious major spoilers for episodes one through 30 ahead and a quick content warning for reference to emotional distress, fantasy violence, and panic attacks. So let's strap in friends. Our story began in the small mining town of Dragon's Nest, where four strangers are drawn together to unravel the secrets of a small town and wind up stumbling upon truths none of them bargained for. It is important to note that in the year 419 in the land of Oria, interplanar travel was deemed illegal and all portals were closed, except for the one to the Feywild. Not because they encouraged travel to the Fey Plain, but because no one could puzzle out how to close it. So the town of Tiermond was built around this portal and it has been closely guarded since. Nothing has come through that portal, or I should say, no one. No one, except a certain Miss Ivy Nightbreeze Tinkerfay, an Eladrin druid and her pseudo-dragon Bia. The pair came through on a quest to meet a wizard atop a mountain. So imagine her utter dismay when, armed with only an outdated map and stories from a father who hadn't been to Oria for hundreds of years, she reaches Dragon's Nest to find the mountain top is, in fact, not a mountain top at all. Of course, Ivy's map wasn't wrong, it was just old. There was once a mountain peak here, but just about 20 years ago to that very day, a meteor hit the peak, forming the crater Ivy now finds herself in. And what's worse? Ivy couldn't find a wizard if they were staring her right in the face. Deep within the crater, we find not a wizard, but a half-elf artificer named one Alara Spinnelspark, who has a penchant for getting into places she doesn't belong and badly lying her way out of them. Alara has come to Dragon's Nest to find gems that can be imbued with magic, if you know how to meticulously carve runes into them, of course. And wouldn't you know it, she's pretty handy at exactly that. Dragon's Nest was appealing to her because of that meteor that I mentioned before. It unearthed the mines which held gems and stones more prolific than had ever been seen in Oria. Gems aside, Alara was also very excited to visit the Falling Star Festival, a seven-day event that lights up the sky with, okay, you guessed it, shooting stars. The best night to see said stars just so happened to be the anniversary of the meteor crash that caused the crater. Speaking of meteors and craters and things that happened 20 years ago, Ziva, no last name, a totally normal human aerialist and wild magic sorcerer, by the way, was not in town for gems or wizards. She was, in fact, part of a troop here to perform during the festival, and it absolutely was not her birthday, the same day the meteor crashed, and since we're telling truths, she also absolutely did not cause the meteor strike by simply being born. And lastly, speaking of cause and effect, enter Varys, last name redacted for now, a person trying their best not to be the cause of anything, and certainly not to have an effect on anything. An NPC working in the local tavern, if you will. And you will, because he was. Working in the Mountain Peak pub. 
Minding their own business was this half-orc barbarian, probably? Yes, definitely barbarian, not a caster or wanted criminal in disguise, just a guy trying to blend in, which we can't argue he did blend in pretty well. Being a changeling will lend to that. But blending in is hard when you work in the same inn that one Alara Spinelspark was staying in, the same inn that Ziva, our totally normal human being, came to hand out flyers, and the same inn that our defeated Ivy Nightbreeze Tinkerfay entered and changed the course of all of their lives forever. It was lucky that Ivy muttered her musings about how this realm sucks to our wallflower Varys, for if it was anyone else, our story might have ended with one episode. Varys told her about portals and planar travel being illegal and helped poor Ivy find her bearings, which Ivy took as a sign that Varys wanted to be her best friend forever. It's fine. They are absolutely best friends now, and I promise the road to said best friendship is quite comical. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't inform you now that Ivy is a full-blown lesbian, so get all of that Varys Ivy stuff out of your heads right now. Off in the corner, Alara Spinelspark, yes, she tends to introduce herself with her full government name to most people who ask, was in her own world of rocks and gems, examining her finds from the mine, when a familiar feeling took her over as her jacket got very heavy. This resulted in the pocket plane within her pockets to collapse. All of her things spilled out around her. It was a lot of things. More things than a jacket with 12 visible pockets should be able to hold. This drew the attention of Ziva, who helped her clean. While Bettina, Ziva's aerial partner, stole some gems even though Alara gave a handful away. She didn't really need them, but I digress. Point is, Bettina made off with a bunch of gems from the mine. That will be important later. Ferris and Ivy helped Alara carry her things upstairs and the three newfound... Friends? Acquaintances? Oh wait, it may look different than what you're used to, but this is still D&D. <clears throat> The three strangers who met in tavern head off to watch the other stranger Ziva perform. And the performance is actually amazing. I'm not kidding. It's natural 20 worthy. But the fun is cut short because the animatronic, there's animatronics in this world, by the way, has gone rogue and was attacking people. Well, you can guess what happens next, right? Our four unlikely heroes jump into action and deactivate the animatronic to discover that Bettina hid a gem from the mines in the bot's control panel, which was now glowing. Speaking of bots, Alara has nanobots. She uses them to mimic spells. Varys is impressed. She lets them see, and together they figure out the gem is holding a corrupted spell. And what's this? It's not from this world. Dun, dun, dun. Cue everyone looking at Ivy. The group departs heading to bed for the evening, and Ziva has a dream. A scary dream of creepy people trying to get at her, and in her panic, she wild surges and casts Fireball, almost killing her best friend, Bettina. Varys is the first one on the seat in the morning because they wake up early each day to work out. Alara and Ivy will eventually come to prank and razz Varys incessantly for this pretty awesome habit. But that's only when Alara is actually awake early enough to do so, which, hint, it is not very often at all. Ivy's up next. She follows Varys' tracks towards the source of the fire. Alara sleeps in and then takes a leisurely walk around town before finding out that there was even a fire at all. Point is, eventually all four are together. Varys helping with the aftermath of the fire, Ivy immediately saving Bettina's life by healing her. At this point, I should mention that healing magic is very expensive and very rare on this material plane, so Ivy healing Bettina is no small thing. But Ivy doesn't know that, and in the fame, healing magic is plentiful. 
While Ziva tries to rationalize what happened, Alara freezes and has to breathe her way out of a panic attack, never having seen this type of disaster before. During this time, the everwise Ivy explains that she thinks it was Ziva and not the rocks. She explains wild magic and shows Ziva her wild shape, which is bones. Also a thing you should remember because it is super relevant for arc two, which we'll get to later on, I promise. In an effort to prove whether it's the gems or Ziva, the group tries to get into the mines, finally making their way to the mayor, who gives them badges to get in. There's a whole thing about the mining company extorting the mayor, but you can listen if you want to know that badly. The four regroup back at the inn before heading to the mines, and here is where we learn some things. Write this down. It's a lot of information, and it's really important. Ivy is a part of the Seely Court. The queen, Queen Titania, is kind of like Ivy's aunt and mother figure. Ivy's father is from here, and his family, the Nightbreeze family, is well-known and not cool. Varys knows him, though he doesn't say much. They like to keep secrets, that one. Oh, and Alara has a big important book of runes, which she's using to carve runes into a small gem. Remember this as well. Hold it close to your chest. Okay, okay, all that aside, now we go off to the mines. Varys is the only one with any real adventuring experience. Though Ivy can hold her own, Alara and Ziva have no idea what they're doing. Great, because they're about to fight a monster from the Nine Hells down in the mines. What could possibly go wrong? And they do. And it's cool. Varys silent rages. Alara uses her nanobots to cover the demon in acid. Ivy shapes into her bone wolf form. And Ziva? Well, Ziva was targeted the entire fight by the Slytherin Tracker, who said very mean things to her, by the way, but also referenced someone named Kalian of the Order Nishadi. I know your list is long, but here are some more things. Varys has a penchant for putting themselves in danger. Ivy didn't seem to want to come out of her wolf shape, and yeah, there was a tiny portal to the Nine Hells down in the mines. Who knew? That night, Alara goes to Varys' room. It's not what you think, so knock it off. She wants to do a science experiment. Still not what you think. Alara makes mechanized creatures and she uses the runes and gems as a kind of arcane battery. Enter Norman, the mechanized spider and Alara's scouting friend. Anyway, she wanted Varys there in case the gem for the mines made Norman cursed or corrupted. Don't worry, Norman is fine, but maybe they're a little creepy, but they're also really cute. Next day, the group heads to the Temple of Nishadi to get answers and well... Once again, they find more than they were bargained for. This is a D&D campaign after all. After a comical attempt at lying to get information by Alara, remember, she's a really terrible liar and has a penchant to try and lie her way out of situations that she really shouldn't, Varys and Ivy smoothly talk their way... Lie. They lie. They lie their way to get more information. Kalian was a cult leader, trying to ascend to a higher plane. People believe Nishadi, the god of celestial bodies, dream divination, and twilight, sent the meteor to stop her. And I mean, they weren't wrong. Patience, we'll get there. Kalian looks a lot like Ziva. Coincidence? Absolutely not. The group is told to come back later to talk to Merwin, someone who was alive at the time of the events 20 years ago. On the way back to the inn, they stop at one of the science guilds, where Lara goes from excited over showing her new friends what she's doing to panicking, because the scientists here are very uptight about magic use and its validity in science. And three out of the four of them are magic users. Shh, don't tell anyone. On top of that, the president of the science guilds, Elisander Delange, is there. 
Just kidding, he's not the president, only the founder. But this becomes a long running joke Alara plays on Varys for a while. Anyway, Elisandre is kind of snobby and a little charming and very handsy with Varys. Alara word vomits to Elisandre about the gems and the portal and the monster before getting her and her friends out of there. They head back to the inn to prepare. Varys has a serious conversation about the potentially dangerous situation they're heading into and folks, they were right. Back at the temple, Merowyn is very sketchy. She casts Charm Person on Ziva and soon a fight breaks out, but not before Alara pockets an old journal she finds on a bookshelf. And did you guess it? Merowyn is Kaelian. And after Varys kills Merowyn, a demonic form of Kaelian emerges. Ivy wild shapes again and Varys and Ivy tag team the monster while Alara and Ziva do crowd control. Alara winds up killing two acolytes, the first people she's ever killed. But eventually, casting from afar, Kaelian manages to take Ziva down. In between life and death, Ziva is visited by the god Nishadi, and she learns that Kaelian is in fact her mother, and she was born to be a sacrifice. But Nishadi saved her, and the explosion was an outpouring of Ziva's own power. It was in fact Ziva who blew up the mountain, and now she was free to live her life as she pleased. Nishadi restored her to health, and Varys got the final blow on Kaelian. In the aftermath, Varys snags Kaelian's spellbook and Ziva takes her dagger. Ivy, once again, reluctant to come out of her bone wolf form, leads the beaten and battered group to a place to watch the stars. Our adventurers spend the next few days recuperating, bonding, working on projects, stealing pages from spellbooks, getting messages from long-lost loved ones, getting abandoned by their troop, oh, and getting asked to go get some portal readings in the Feywild. Remember that president, not president of the science guilds I mentioned before? Well, he informs the party that portals are destabilizing and could spell disaster for Oria. He wants to pay this ragtag group to go investigate the Fey Wild portals, aka Ivy's home plane, and report back. The group doesn't fully trust him, because of course, why would they? And Ivy is strangely avoidant about going back home. Hmm, I wonder if that will be important. Anyway, they agree and head out the next day with some money, an interplanar time-telling watch, a portal scanner, a seal of passage from the president, not president, and their winning personalities. Travel is fun and shenanigans ensue. The group meets a baby owlbear being cared for by a mimic and does some more bonding. Ivy avoids talking about home, Alara avoids talking about the big science symposium coming up, and Varys does not avoid checking the boards in each town where they very often find wanted posters for a certain criminal group named the Resented. I wonder what that's about. They make it to the portal. Varys tells Ivy he's a changeling, which she's super chill about, by the way, being from the Fae herself, and the four enter the Fae together and come out, well, not together. Let's start with our resident Fae and clumsy artificer. Things to know, they land in Felisamore, where the Seelie Court is held. Ivy's parents are the council's artificers and Queen Titania is like family to Ivy. Also, Bea's gone, and for some reason, most people in this town seem to really dislike Ivy. While looking for their friends, Ivy touches a hallucinogenic plant and lives out her worst memory. The day the love of her life drowned and died. Beatrice was the daughter of the paladins, and everyone except Ivy's parents and Queen Titania think Ivy had something to do with it. Meanwhile, Varys and Ziva land too close to the Unseely Court. They meet an underdark pixie who gives them nicknames. This is not a good thing. And they fight some weird oil creatures. This is an even worse thing. The group meets back up and Ivy learns from the Underdark Pixie, affectionately calling it Little Shit, that the King of the Underdark, King Nemeth, has taken Bia, and the group decides to head that way to find her. Simple, right? Wrong. 
absolutely utterly wrong. Remember those weird oily creatures? Well, they were the stuff of nightmares, literally, and now Ziva and Varys are being plagued by said nightmares, figuratively. They weren't being hunted by these things. The group takes a detour to the village to find more information and wind up meeting the hag, which has been obviously giving them the nightmares. Except she's in disguise, and Alara thanks her, which leads to a whole thing we're still dealing with now. But, you know, I digress. They fight that hag and she escapes, and Ivy loses control to her wolf for the first time, causing the group to have to down her to get their friends back. After all that, they continue on their way toward Nemethambia, but before they can, Titania tells Ivy she must go meet a person named Theraz who can help Ivy master her wolf shape. And now you're caught up. I left out lots of fun details and I definitely urge you to go back and listen to the last 30 episodes. But if not, you can jump right into episode 31 where we pick up with the unusual order and our new play style where your players share the role of game master. Welcome to our table, friends. <laughs>